Tonight's message, I want to talk about miracles to you because we live in a moment where we need a lot of miracles. Uh, so we're going to talk first about the different categories of miracles in the Bible so that we all know there's miracles in these categories or seven different fields of miraculous happenings. And then we're going to talk about 1 Corinthians 12, the gift of the working of miracles as we end today's message. So I don't want you to leave the room or change the, 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 the dial on, on your TV or your phone. Stick with me and let's have a good time tonight together. And again, thank you for giving me this honor to speak with you this way. I want to read from the book of St. John, the second chapter as our opening verse, and then we'll go to Romans, the 15th chapter, and we'll read our second verse. So we find in John chapter two, and verse 11, it says this, this beginning of miracles did Jesus in Canaan of Galilee. Now, this is the story that you know if you read verses 1 through uh, 10. It's he's gone to a wedding. They run out of wine. He turns water into wine. And they said, you've saved the best for last. But the point that I want to make here, it says, this was the beginning. It wasn't the end. It wasn't the only one. It was the beginning of miracles that Jesus did in Canaan of Galilee. And I want to say to you that he is still doing miracles today for you and I and those who will believe and accept his help, his miraculous presence, his miraculous voice, his miraculous hand will move toward our lives to help us. So this is the beginning and we have no verses that say this is the end. So this is the beginning. Now let's read from Romans the 15th chapter and the 16th verse. Paul is writing, and this is the New Testament. This is the, the New Testament church, I should say. Through mighty signs and wonders, and by the power of the Spirit of God, so that from Jerusalem to all around about, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. Now notice what it says here, through many signs and wonders by the power of the Spirit of God, so that all of Jerusalem, the roundabout regions, have heard the gospel of Christ. So we have here a verse that tells us that in the beginning years of the church, it wasn't just nice social gospel going on. They weren't just feeding the hungry. They weren't just clothing the naked. They weren't just doing those things as a part of the Christian faith, but they also had mighty signs and wonders. Now, in today's world, I want to make sure that we keep things in proper order. So let me just take a moment and address it like this. In our world today, we have situations where the social gospel seems to be replacing what I would call the gospel message that you must be born again and you must find the Holy Spirit and have him in your life. Those aren't preached as a must. It's preached as a suggestion. And we almost are training a new breed of ministers to mainly they must have a food ministry. They must have an online ministry. They must have that. Now that's secondary and third, but first you must be born again. You must be born again. There is no way around the words of Jesus. So it needs to be preached with a, a direction, an adamacy, and, and let it be. If you go, I don't like to be told what I should do, well, then go to hell. If you want to go to hell, go to hell. If you want to live for the devil, live for the devil. If you don't, then be born again. 
If you want to have a different life, you want to have a different home in eternity, then come to Jesus and be born again. Repent of your sins and be born again. Brother Roberts, the people today don't like that. Well, they're not going to like hell either. And it's real convenient too that, people, they, that some people are preaching there is no hell. I wish that was true, but it's not. So let's keep the message right. The first we as Christians and preachers must tell the people the truth, even if they react to us in some way that is not pleasant. Must tell them the truth. You must be born again. The Holy Spirit is available to everybody if you'll receive him today. Keeping the gospel right. Then in the second category of ministering the gospel comes in what we call felt needs ministry. Yes, truly, let's feed the hungry. Let's clothe the naked. Let's help the, the orphan and the widow. Let's do those things, but we're not going to allow that to become above the message of the gospel. It must stay. The message and the must must be first, and then the ministry comes in second like that and not the other way around. It is, it's nervous to me as I watch this changing where the social side of the gospel is becoming the main things people are preaching and doing and they're not bringing salvation. Uh, I'm going to say it this way too before I move off of this point. I'm 54 years old and so in my life I, I've had the great honor to be with some of the greatest men and women of God and be in the moves of God throughout my whole life. Uh, I was born in a revival city of Tulsa, Oklahoma, so I grew up with an open heavens. I thought the whole world was like that until I started traveling and realized I want to go home. It's nicer there than it is out here. And I realized I grew up in a place where the heavens were open, the demonic was bound to the point that it wasn't a dominant force like it is in some cities today, but it, 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 was, it was powerful. And we were taught that, for example, the first job of the evangelist is to get people saved. How they get people saved is through the preaching and through signs and wonders. Today, it's almost like we go out to feed the hungry, but no one ever does any soul winning during it. We go out to clothe the naked or go visit the people, and we never offer prayer or salvation to things. I just want to make sure that as you and I become the dominant leaders of this next term of Christianity in the earth, that we keep things in orders. Now, in these two verses I've read to you so far, we have talked about signs and wonders and miracles. Nowhere in the Bible has signs and wonders been declared that they're over. Now, they're over in some denominations. They're over in some people's homes. They're over in some people's churches. That's because they don't want to believe and they don't want to accept and they don't want to reach out by faith for them or they don't know. But for you and I, we know. You cannot be at Kensington Temple and not know about the miracle power of God, the saving power of God. You, you, you cannot know that. But sometimes we only know about miracles of healing or deliverance or prosperity, which I like all three of those things. But I want to give you here what I would call the seven different categories of miracles that we see in Scripture to give us a bigger view of the miraculous, all right? So let's go through these together for a few moments. Hope you're still with me, and I love being with you, all right? The first category of miracles that we should talk about is miracles of conquest. God doing miracles to give you the land, to give you that edge in the business. 
In the Old Testament, we have miracles of conquest I'm going to highlight in my sermon from the book of Joshua. Joshua was a man that took over from Moses from 40 years of living in the wilderness, traveling in a circle. Joshua comes on and he enters the promised land and he starts conquering and taking that which is rightfully theirs by God's word. And so we call these miracles of conquest. We can find in Genesis 3 that he crosses Jordan and, and splits. In, in Joshua 6, the walls of Jericho come down. In, in Joshua 10, we have him praying and the sun and the moon stand still. All right? So we have miracles of conquest. For you and I today, as we begin to obey the call of God, some of us are being are being told by God to go to certain cities or certain nations and we go in there, we need to know and we need to be believing for God's miraculous power of conquest that we can go in and conquer, we can go in and win, we can go in and become the voice that we're called to be in that nation or that territory. We call that miracles of conquest. May every apostolic gift understand conquest miracles or you're not going to make it apostolically. And the people around you will need to know it too. So we call those miracles of conquest. Number two, the next kind of miracles are miracles of direction. Not knowing what to do and God supernaturally intervenes and directs your feet and your path to a great happening. We have in Exodus chapter three, we, we have a moment with the burning bush in Moses uh, that, that was a, a change in direction that day. In Acts chapter 9, verses 3 through 16, we have the Apostle Paul uh, being knocked to the ground and his whole life changed. That, that's called a miracle of redirection. A miracle that some of us have friends and family members that need today. Then you have in Acts chapter 21, we have Paul and the Agabus the prophet giving direction through prophetic demonstration and told him as he took off Paul's belt and his girl and tied him up in his hands and said, the man that owns this, this is what happened to you. That, those are called miracles of direction. Sometimes we need that dramatic and loud intervention of God to give us direction. And that is a category that all through the Bible and through church history, there are miracles of divine direction in people's lives, all right? The third category of miracles we can look at are of miracles of healing and deliverance, which you and I are very familiar with. We have seen God heal people from sickness and diseases. We have seen God deliver people from demonic oppressions and obsessions in their life to where they were able to function as a happy, normal soul in life like everybody should be. We call those miracles of deliverance and healing. Mark chapter 1, verse 21 through 28 tells the story of a, a man being in church on the Sabbath day and he was sitting in the synagogue and while Jesus was speaking, the demons in him began to cry out, leave us alone, leave us alone, leave us alone. And Jesus did not call for the usher and take him out. He cast the spirit out of him right in front of everybody in that church. That's called a miracle of deliverance. And we need to make sure that we believe for miracles of healing 
and deliverance. The whole Bible's full of these. Now, I don't think I need to go into more scripture or detail. I think you get it, that miracles of healing and deliverance are for us today, and that's a category. Number four, the fourth kind of category of miracles is miracles of endurance. Miracles that we are able to go the distance or outlast the devil or outlast the natural circumstance. Sometimes that's a tough one, but I call them miracles of deliverance. And I want to read from Deuteronomy 29 and verse 5 to me. The most famous miracles of, of, of endurance would be here. In Deuteronomy 29 and 5, it says about the children of Israel, I've led you for 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes are not waxed old upon you, and your shoe is not waxed old upon your foot. For 40 years, their clothes didn't wear out. Well, that to me is a miracle of endurance that I would like to have the soles of my shoes not wear out, and the clothes I buy don't get old and worn out. For 40 years, look at that for a minute. I've led you for 40 years in the wilderness. That wasn't their high calling or the perfect will of God. They were born in the permissive will of God, if you want to say it that way. And God provided miracles of endurance for them with their clothes that didn't grow old as they wore them. And their shoes did not wear out for 40 years. That is a type of of the miracles of endurance that I think we need to reach out for, that God will give us the ability to endure. Now, in the New Testament, Paul tells Timothy to endure hardness as a good soldier. Now, when we're enduring hardness, I do not feel that enduring hardness is like, oh my God, I'm just barely making, I can't survive. That's soulish and natural endurance. Spiritual endurance has a life and a joy and a presence of victory about it. And so when we're enduring hardship, we're enduring difficulties, and that miracle power of God is upon us that gives us a strength and a life and a victory and a joy that we get to go through it, and it doesn't really have an effect on us because we're insulated and being assisted by the presence of God or the miracle power of endurance, as I call it. Some of you right now are going through difficult situations with people, with a child, maybe a spouse. And we need that miracle of endurance that you can do what is right, keep the right disposition, and go the distance until the breakthrough comes. Miracles of endurance can come over churches. That old churches can pioneer and push through in territories that are difficult or not giving up easily. Miracles of endurance can come over a family where they can do what they're called to do and not move away from it. Now, the fifth kind of miracles that we want to talk about is the miracles of divine protection. <clears throat> All through the Bible, Old and New Testament, God protects us from harm. He repeats all through the Bible, I am with you in distress and will deliver you. I am your present help in the time of trouble. He keeps telling us that he will take care of us. So we call those miracles of protection. Psalms 91 being one of the most famous scriptures about divine protection. He'll give his angels charge over us to help us so that we not get into difficulty. In 2 Kings and 6, verse 15 through 17, we, we have a story of a whole angelic host showing up as an army 
is trying to take over a city because the prophet in there knows what's going on in the other king's bedroom chambers. And the little servant of the prophet went out, probably we'll say it this way modernly, went to Starbucks and get a cup of coffee. And while he was leaving the house going to Starbucks, he looked up over the wall of the city and saw a great army that had come to conquer and to come to take. And he got scared and he ran back to the prophet and said, oh, oh look at what's out there. They're, they're going to get us. They're going to kill us. What are we going to do? And the prophet saying, there's more with us than with them. And the little guy goes, really? What are you smoking? What have you been drinking? That's not what I see. We're a small little town. We may be walled, but we don't have an army like that. That's a vast army. And then the prophet prayed, Lord, open his eyes so he can see why this is true. And the Lord opened the eyes and they saw chariots and angels with flaming swords all about them. And then he knew there is more with us than with them. You and I need to know that there is more with us than are with them. And there are miracles of divine protection. Daniel and the lion's den, another great story we all know. Here's a man of God in a foreign country, been exalted to like the vice president of the nation. And they make a law. You cannot worship any other God but the image of Nebuchadnezzar, da, 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 da. Well, Daniel says, I pray three times a day toward Jerusalem, whether you like it <coughs> or not. And so long story short, he gets thrown in the den of lions, kill him, and he sleeps all night and wakes up in the morning and the king's there first. Are you there? Are you alive, Daniel? He goes, yes, I'm here. The God that saved Daniel and saved Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego from the fiery furnace is the same God that does miracles of protection for you and for me. I've been in 127 nations of the world. And there are times when I look back on it, I do not know how I got out of situations and was able to continue without getting hurt, harmed, jailed, or shot. I've been shot at. I have knives thrown on me. People with riots have come into the meetings trying to beat me up with the little, I guess that was a, that was a crowd of about 15 hoodlums trying to come in and take over the meeting and, and beat me up. And I just stayed put and, and made it. And for some reason, it disappears. Miracles of protection happen for you and I. And sometimes I think these happen and we don't recognize it. I think when we get to heaven and the Lord gives us, I don't, I picture it like this, that he has a heavenly video of our life. And in that heavenly video, you have the natural and the spiritual both being seen at the same time interacting. I hope that's there or somewhere we can see it because I think to watch some of these generals lives, God's generals lives and watch our lives like, wow, the angel helped us here. God did this for us here. We'll be so happy and so thankful for miracles of protection. Can you say amen? Are you still with me? I'm not done, so don't turn the channel. Stay right where you are, all right? Uh, number six, miracles of promotion and honor. There are things that have happened to us, doors that have opened, uh, opportunities that have come, that in, in your thinking, in your mind, it's like, how did this happen? Or why? These as God's miracles of honor and promotion. We have in Genesis 41, one of the great stories is Joseph. Joseph is sold by his brothers, ends up in a foreign country, in prison, and he goes from the prison, it's almost like the vice president of Egypt, and becomes a type 
of the Savior of Christ later by being the Savior of the people during the famine that he saw in the vision. He went from down and out to up and ruling. That is a miracle of promotion and honor. Daniel was the same way. In Daniel chapter 6, let's mention him again. It says in verse 2 that Daniel was preferred above all the other people. That is a miracle of God's hand upon you. And I want you to believe God for miracles of promotion and honor in your life, in your business, with your children, with your church. That God will honor the presence of your church, in your community, in your state, in your nation. That you will be honored, that you will be one that they'll be looked to for help and answers and prayers. And who knows what? My life is full of miracles of honor and promotion. I know where I came from. I know my ups and downs. I know my wins and my, my personal faults and failures. And believe me, God has given me miracles of honor and promotion that nothing else explains it. Just for example, the God's Gentle series that is known all over the world, a brand of its own, that was created in my bedroom. God told me what to do in my bedroom, and I wrote the first book, and boom! That's called The Blessing of the Lord. There is no way in my ability, I didn't come from money, I didn't come from fame, I came from country people that fed the chickens and the cows and grew the, the crops. That's where I come from. I come from country folk. I don't come from big business and popularity and, and big money. I come from those kind of people which I adore and I'm so glad that's my heritage, but I'm glad I serve a God that gave me miracles of promotion and honor. And I'm going to walk in them all the rest of the days of my life and I want you to as well. Number seven would be miracles of provision. We, we, we're, so, we're so glad for these kind of miracles. Miracles of provision. In Matthew 16, we have the story of Jesus feeding 4,000 people supernaturally. That's a big miracle of provision. You have in 1 Kings in 17 and 2, where the prophet's in a cave, and a raven comes by its room service God style. A raven comes by and drops off meat, steak, drops off things for the prophet to eat. He has a little brook, so he has something to drink. But provision is made by the hand of God in this story by having the raven or the ravens drop the food off for the prophet every day. I call it heavenly room service. Isn't that nice? You got your water, and then twice a day or so, here comes a bird and flops down some something to eat for you to cook. Isn't that wonderful? Love that. And then we have Genesis 26, uh, verse 12 through 14. Uh, this is a story that we've been holding to very strongly during the pandemic, that God will give to us the Isaac provisional blessing. In Genesis 26 and 1, it says that there was a famine in the days when Isaac was alive. Verse 12 says, God told him to sow seeds in the dry ground during the famine. And it says that God blessed him and gave him in the same year a hundredfold return on what he sowed and what he gave. In other words, his crop grew, his flocks didn't keep dying, they kept, the herds didn't keep diminishing, they all kept growing and doing so good that the people around him, the Philistines, envied him. <clears throat> that is called miracles of provision, that God will make your land produce double. 
I remember years ago, Norville Hayes telling the story, uh, he bought a orange grove or an orange orchard here in Florida. Uh, here in the state of Florida where I live, it's known for orange juice because we have a lot of orange uh, trees. And so you can drive in the, in the, in t around the state of Florida and you'll see hundreds and hundreds of acres of, of these kind of orange groves. Well, Brother Norville bought one and uh, he saw on the news that there was coming a freeze to Florida, which is very rare. It happens once in a while. A freeze, cold weather, and it was going to kill all the oranges. And all the orange farmers were all upset. It was on the news. And Brother Norville goes, well, I own an orange grove. One of his businesses. Big one. So he goes down to the orange grove and talks to the, the climate, the oranges, and the elements. And tells him, cold weather will not freeze you. And cold weather will not destroy my oranges. In Jesus' name, you will be okay. He stands there and prays and confesses the word over it. And that's exactly what happened. The freeze came. Most of the orange crop was, was lost. But his, not one orange, was frozen. Not one tree was affected by the cold climate that night and the next night. God gave him miracles of provision. He took care of his business when things were going haywire. That's what God will do for us during this pandemic. With all the economic crisis up and down, with all the situation that we're facing, realize this, that God will do for you what he did for Isaac and he'll do for others. He'll give you miracles of provision. He will supply for you like he did the 4,000, like he did the prophet, and like he did Isaac, he'll do for you. Now, that is called the miracles of provision. These are the seven categories that I wanted to highlight for you so you can see the vastness of God's miraculous activity, and all of it can be in your life. For us that are full gospel charismatic, when we think miraculous, we mainly think three things. We think healing, deliverance, and money miracles. Now, believe me, we need a lot of healing and we need a lot of deliverance and we need financial miracles. So I'm not belittling that. I just want to add to you the whole bigger picture that as I gave you, let me read them to you again. Miracles of conquest, miracles of direction, miracles of deliverance and healing, miracles of endurance, miracles of protection, miracles of promotion and honor, and miracles of provision are all here. And there's Story after story in the Bible and in church history of God doing these miracles. I want to mention before I close, just take a few more moments. I don't want to end this without talking about the New Testament gift of the working of miracles from 1 Corinthians chapter 12. If you will turn there, uh, you probably know it. 1 Corinthians 12 is known as the gifts of the spirit chapter. And it says here in verse, let me find it here. Um, it says... In verse 10 of 1 Corinthians 12, it lists the gifts of the Spirit. And it says, to another, the working of miracles. So one of the gifts that God gave to us to have in our life, to get a profiting or to get victory in our life, is the gift of the working of miracles. <clears throat> now, excuse me. The, the, the reason why that gift is the rarest of all the nine gifts in I've seen around the world the manifestation of the gift of the working of miracles is the rarest 
of the nine, when it should be mainly the most plentiful. I asked the Lord one time, why is this gift so, so rare to be seen in America, in Europe? Uh, other nations seem to have a little bit more, but it's like a rare gift. And it's here. I mean, word of knowledge works a lot. Prophecy works a lot. Discerning spirit works a lot. But what about the working of miracles? I asked her, why isn't that working? Why isn't that working? And he said it so clear. They don't like the working part. I said, well, what does that mean? He says, they want to call it the gift of miracles, and that's not the gift. I did not give a gift of miracles. I gave the gift of the working of miracles. The reason why this gift is so rarely manifested in our lives because we don't even understand its name, its label, its title. It's the gift of the working of miracles, not the gift of miracles. And the Lord said to me, they don't like the working part. I thought that is so obvious, but it took God to give us a simple truth. Let me talk to you about it because I want this gift in your life. I want this gift to be a part of what happens to you, especially when you need one. The gift of the working of miracles. Let's think, I think it's in John chapter six or John chapter nine, where Jesus is doing something very ungentlemanly and not his normal behavior. He's looking at a blind man and the blind man's come to him to be healed and he spits, pooey, and he spits on the ground, pooey, pooey, and he makes mud and he puts it in the blind man's face where his eyes were and then tells the man, go wash in the pool of Shalom. And the man goes and does it, gets his sight and comes back. That's the gift of the working of miracles in the life of Jesus. It has two workings for that miracle. The first working was Jesus had to spit. You know, I was told spitting was not proper. And spitting is not something that you do. Now, I grew up in Oklahoma. That's the Midwest. That's above Texas. So everybody in Texas, Oklahoma, and Kansas, they chew tobacco and spit. So I grew up with spitting tobacco people. So I understood what spitters are. And we were told, and it is true, spitting is not nice. It's rude, it's gross, it's disgusting. And believe me, I grew up with tobacco spitters and all those words, and there's some other words that describe how gross it is. So Jesus spits. And he kneels down and probably spits a couple of times. And he makes mud with his spit and the dirt and then picks it up, the second working, and puts it in the man's eyes or face. Now, that's the first two workings of this miracle. The third working of this miracle was when he said, go wash in the pool of Siloam. So it wasn't just any pool or a bucket of water or a stream of water. It was a specific pool he was to go to. The working of miracles, the working part is the prescription or the things that must be done for this miracle to happen. Now, people say, well, I don't like that. Well, I don't care if you like it. That's the way it is. So if you want this gift in your life, you have to be willing to do whatever the working parts may be for you at that time. For the blind man, Jesus had to be willing to spit and make mud and put in his face. And the, and the blind man had to be able to say, thank you, sir, with mud dripping down his face and go wash in the right pool. Somebody had to take him to that pool. If he didn't got any place else, he would not have got healed. The gift of the working 
of miracles. There's another story in the Old Testament where Naaman, a military leader from a foreign country, came to Israel seeking to be healed of his leprosy and brought gold and, and silver and raiment to, to, to pay and to say thank you for the, the healing prophet. And he came to the prophet's house and knocked on the door and the man of God didn't even come out and say hi. He sent his servant and says, go tell him to dip seven times in the dirty river of Jordan. And that was it. And Naaman got mad. Sometimes you'll get mad. You get mad at the working parts. That's why the miracles don't happen. Because you don't like the working part. And Naaman was upset because he'd already pre-pictured how God was going to give him his miracle. He thought that God would send the man of God out and he'd raise his hand, oh God, and strike his hand over the leprosy and be healed. That's what the Bible says. He'd already had his own thoughts of how he was going to get healed. And that's why many people miss the gift of the working of miracles. They have a preconceived idea that says, whatever it takes, I'm willing to do. And one of the servants of Naaman said, sir, if he'd have told you to do something great and vast, you would have done it. So I'm going to paraphrase. So just shut up and get in the river. That's the Lairdon translation. Just like, sir, you're a great man. You're obedient. You do wonderful things. But the man said, dip seven times in the Jordan. Let's get to the Jordan and start dipping. And so, I love the story between these two. And he did. So the man made influence on, on the leader. And the leader said, yeah, you're right. Now, the prescription was Jordan River, seven times. Different river, seven times, no miracle. Or right river, only five times, no miracle. You have to obey exactly what happens for that miracle to happen. It's the gift of the working of miracles. Working, working, working of miracles. Now, sometimes the working part can be as much as go have a conversation with someone. Um, give somebody a check or take them to dinner or to buy them a certain sum. It, it can be as, as easy as that or as dramatic as some of these stories. But whatever it is, May I encourage you just to do it. Whatever the working part that's your responsibility, do it and don't complain and don't let people distract you whatsoever. Tell you one story before I close. My grandmother one day was baking a cake. I'd come home from school with my sister Priscilla and she was in the kitchen cooking and making a cake and, and, um, and she said, I'm cooking a miracle cake. Well, I thought, great. I don't know what that means, but I want a piece of it because it's not for you. I thought, what do you mean you're baking a cake and we can't eat the cake? She goes, no, I was praying today because she was trying to get folks across the street that had moved into our neighborhood. She had a rule, six months get saved or you have to leave the street. That was grandma's rules and it worked. There are people today on that street that she got saved that are still there. You can go up and knock on the door and say, you remember Gunnaline Moore, the, the grandmother? Oh yeah, she prayed us into the kingdom. They didn't get saved, so they had to move. They'll tell you those stories today. My grandmother said, my grandchildren are not going to grow up on a street with a bunch of heathen. So that's grandma. So this neighbor had moved in across the street, and they weren't saved. And, and they, they were nice people. They just weren't saved. And grandma's rule was, have to be saved to be on this street. And uh, so she'd been soul winning, you know, being, you know, friendship evangelism, we call it today. And she just could not get the breakthrough. And she kept praying because grandma did, Lord, what do I need to do? Well, what, what's the door? What's the, to get to their heart? What's the deal? I mean, she, she worked it. 
And the Lord said, bake her a certain cake and take it to her on this day at this time. Now that's strange, but you know, grandma's old in the Lord now, so she knows how to obey without complaining or thinking twice. So she told me the story why she was making the cake. And I said, well, can I go? Can I see what happened? So I always believe in watching and praying. Don't close your eyes. You'll miss the miracle. And plus, it's not in the Bible. It says, watch and pray. So keep both eyes open so you can see the happening of God. So I wanted to go see it, uh, see what was going to happen. So at that time, it was a couple of days later. The cake had been sitting in the house for about a day and a half, uh, waiting for this moment. And so the time came. So Grandma and I walked across the street, and she knocked on the door. <clears throat> and the, the lady opened the door, and, and, she, and they, of course, knew each other. They said, the Lord told me to bring you and name this kind of cake at this time. I don't know why the Lord told me this, but here's your cake. And the lady started crying, and just started crying and crying and crying and invited us in and took her for about, I guess, five minutes or so to, to compose herself enough to talk properly. She said, my daughter died on this day, and this was her favorite cake. That miracle thing opened her heart to the salvation of the whole family. And the last time I saw them, they were now leaders in the Assemblies of God Church in Broken Air, Oklahoma. So thank God for the working of miracles that opened her heart. Grandma did her part. God did the rest. So we can tell stories that all the time. But today, my message to you is I wanted to, you to believe during this pandemic crisis and all that's going on, all the categories of miraculous in your life. I want you to believe for the conquest, the direction, believe for the endurance, the protection, for promotion, honor, provision, and for the working of this great gift of the Spirit in your life.